Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. We've been in our series called Crux, where we're exploring some of the foundations of what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be a a believer, a Christian. And today we're talking about worship and prayer. So worship and prayer, what's going on in there is the title of my message tonight. Nice little rhyming couplet for you. Uh, and we're going to specifically gonna first talk about what these things are individually and then look at how together they lead us into a place of transforming into the people that we're meant to be as we increase in intimacy with God and the act of worship and prayer. So there's a lot going on in there, but I'm going to focus in on a couple specific things tonight. When it comes to worship, it's this act of adoration. It's this act of prayer praising God, of adoring Him for who He is. And then when we talk about prayer, it's the act of communication, kind of this back and forth between us and God. But the constant thread, the consistent thread that runs through both of these things is the idea of presence. So whether it's in worship, where we're adoring God, whether that's together or by ourselves, wherever we may be, there's this idea of being present with God. And the same thing is true with prayer, whether it's together or individually. When we engage in the act of prayer, it's about engaging the presence of God, of being with Him. And in both of these things, both worship and prayer, we're going to look at this idea of presence and what happens when we're present with God through worship and prayer. For me, I've continued kind of over the last few years to discover how important presence is to me, especially when it comes to my personal relationships. I a couple years ago, I was having this very rough week. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was very busy. It was kind of frenzied. I was working from morning till night, and there was long days. And I remember being in the car with my friend Joel, and it was just this moment where the whole week I had been frenzied, and I didn't even realize it. And then I got in the car with Joel, and we were having a very meaningful conversation. We were spending time with one another, and we were talking about meaningful things. And I realized the contrast where my mind had begun to slow down. It was a beautiful moment of connection. Over the last few years, I've also really discovered how much I love traveling, but not just about the places and experiences that happen while traveling, but the people I get to experience those places with. That for me, it's about connecting in the process of. And in my personal relationships, I've been discovering the value of presence. A lot of my work is around this idea of creating meaningful shared experiences for people. And so much of that is about what happens when we get in the room together and the things that come to life in us as we gather together. I grew up most of my life as a worship leader, being on stage, leading us through musical moments. And the thing I've always loved about that isn't just this idea of songs, but that we would be together, that we would be present together. And there's something beautiful that happens as we gather together and sing songs of adoration to God. There's something beautiful about being present with one another 
And there's something also simultaneously very beautiful about being present with God. And in both worship and prayer, it gives us an opportunity to experience that presence. And so today, kind of the big idea of worship and prayer are both two-way experiences that connect us more intimately to God and launch us into the lives we're created to live. So whether it's worship or it's prayer, both of them are two-way experiences. Worship isn't just coming into this room and having a one-way shout at God about who he is. There's something beautiful about encountering the presence of God in the midst of our worship where it becomes a two-way exchange where we hear from God in the midst of singing to Him or worshiping in our everyday lives. And when we settle down into a moment of prayer and we're communicating with God, again, it's not one way, it's two ways. Both worship and prayer are about experiencing God's presence in a way that is two-way And so these two-way experiences connect us more intimately to God. And in that intimate place, it transforms us, it reforms us, and it launches us into the lives that we're created to live. And we're going to talk about four things related to that in just a second. But before we get to those four things, I want to acknowledge that probably for all of us in the room tonight, there are things that become walls that prevent us from stepping more fully into that intimacy with God? What are the things in our lives that prevent us from entering in in a deep way with God to facilitate that kind of two-way encounter where we're experiencing the presence of God that allows us to hear from Him in a way that's unhindered? I just want you to take a second to think about that. What are some things maybe that prevent us from entering into that deep place. As I was considering this for myself this week, I just began making a list, a busy mind. Is my mind racing? A full calendar that prevents me from even making space in my life? Worry or stress? Hardness? Have I hardened myself so that I'm not sensitive to the voice or the leading of God, which is kind of repeated in this idea of stunted sensitivity. Fear, are there fears that are preoccupying me that prevent me from stepping into that deep place of worship and prayer? And this morning, as I was looking at this list, what I realized was this isn't just something that prevents me from entering into intimate places with God. It actually applies to all of my relationships. If I'm sitting across the table from someone, am I thinking about all the things that I need to do when I leave that conversation, when I leave that moment, when I leave that dinner or that lunch? Or do I fill my calendar so much that I prevent myself from even spending time with people I care about? Am I preoccupied with worry or stress or fear that prevents me from opening myself up, exposing myself to other people? Do I exhibit a hard exterior that prevents me from really deeply connecting? Have I stunted my sensitivity and I'm not empathetic to people? I'm not hearing them. I'm not sensing them. And as we think about the idea of engaging with God deeply, I think it's important that all of us acknowledge the things that are preventing us from doing so. And beginning to make adjustments in our lives so that we can enter into that deep place where we're meant to go with God. 
And when we dismantle our walls, it allows us to experience worship and prayer more fully. So we begin engaging more fully, more deeply as we dismantle these walls and clear out the hindrances that prevent us from connecting to God. And so when we do that, that's when we're kind of launched in this place of intimacy that leads us to live the lives we're created to live. So I want to talk about four things once we kind of get through those walls, once we press through those walls, once we begin acknowledging them and removing them. There are kind of some things that start to happen. First of all, we're able to enter into that deep, sensitive place. And when we get into that deep, sensitive place, we bring our whole selves with us and we open ourselves up and allow the Lord to begin helping us evaluate yesterday, the past year, our actions, who we are. And there's this sense of introspection with God where God is shining a gentle and warming light on us that allows us to engage in the process of transformation. And in that intimate place, as we're being transformed, there's also this active process, ongoing process of us beginning to understand ourselves, God, and reality in a new way. And so new truth, deeper truth is illuminated to us and kind of all of these things lead us to a place where we can go out and live the lives that we were created to live and have vision for the future that God is crafting for us. And so I think when we look at worship and prayer and we look at this idea of presence we're spending time with God and he begins transforming us so that we can go and live the lives that we're created to live so we're going to start with this idea of intimacy worship and prayer help us connect with the deeper places from one, Psalm 139, I think it's a beautiful demonstration of an intimate moment that the psalmist is having with God in a time of what is almost both worship and prayer simultaneously. It says this, You created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And in this prayer, in this moment of worship, we see a level of depth. We see an opening up, a place of intimacy where the heart is revealed, where there's a deep emotional connection. And there's the beginning of a platform for a conversation to take place. And in this passage, in Psalm 139, it gives us a beautiful glimpse into this idea of encountering God in a deep place. This is what intimacy is. It's to open ourselves up, to reveal the fullness of who we are. It's not just enough for us to talk about the weather or what happened today or what food we like. Are we entering into a place of depth with God and with other people? And just in the same way, it's essential that we experience human intimacy. It is also essential that we go to those deeper places with God where we're opening up who we are and encountering Him in a really deep place. And I think what we experience in the culture 
the instruction that we have on sensitivity often influences our ability to be sensitive to the voice of God, to hear him, to develop an aesthetic of intimacy in our relationship with God and an expectation of intimacy with God. How often do we see a child expressing a moment of sensitivity and they're told to stop that? They're experiencing a moment where maybe they're crying and they're told not to cry. They're told boys don't cry. They're told stop doing that because it's an inconvenience or it makes us feel uncomfortable. And I think that there are maybe two ways that we view intimacy, or sorry, sensitivity. And one of them might be a little bit jaded and messed up. And one of them is a more beautiful picture of what I think the value of sensitivity is. If sensitivity causes us to close up on ourselves and move away from others and God, it's obviously a negative thing. But beautiful and healthy sensitivity allows us to be empathetic people who feel the others and the environment around us, and it draws us in to people. It allows us to be more empathetic. It allows us to connect with God. It allows us to connect with others. And we see this idea that sensitivity is a strength when we learn how to harness it toward connection. And when we're able to allow our sensitivity to be a strength that moves us into a deeper place with others and with God, we begin developing a habit for sensitivity. And I think the two are intimately connected. If we have a problem being sensitive with others in our everyday life, that will probably spill into our relationship with God. I think we develop one consistent set of sensitivity, of the ability to connect. And as we practice that in everyday life, it allows us to also practice that with God in worship and in prayer. And so it's essential that in worship and prayer, we come before God in a way that we're willing to be open and vulnerable. Because being sensitive puts us in a place of vulnerability. So it can be a scary thing to engage in, but when we are willing to walk into those moments bravely and bear who we are, it allows us to begin connecting in a place that develops sensitivity so that we can hear and know and experience God in the midst of worship and prayer. And so as we talk about kind of some of these things today, I want us to take time to practice them. So there's going to be four moments where we will pause just briefly and practice some of these things. So go ahead and close your eyes, and I want to invite you in this moment to consider sensitivity in relationship to God. Have you built up walls that prevent you from entering into that intimate place with God? Are you guarded? Are you protected? Do you have your hands up? And I just want us in this moment to take a deep breath and soften ourselves so that we can move into a deeper place of sensitivity and openness, willing vulnerability before God. I want you to literally feel yourself in this moment soften. I want you to hear your spiritual ears open. I want you to feel your heart be made available. 
that we would practice sensitivity in the midst of our worship and prayer. That we would open ourselves and be honest. God, we want to be truly and honestly ourselves before you. Bring us into a deeper place of intimacy with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as we begin to enter into the deep places, something, a few things actually, begin happening in us. And we'll move to the next idea today, that worship and prayer help us evaluate the moments of our day, week, year, life, who we are, what we've done, how we've acted, how we've reacted, how we've responded. And in moments of worship and prayer, it gives us the ability to stop and reflect in the midst of a world obsessed with forward momentum. And I don't know if you're like me, maybe you're kind of in this mindset, or I'm at least in this mindset where it's always, what's next? Where am I going? What's happening? And I kind of never take time to pause and stop and reflect and look at what I did this morning and what I did yesterday and what I did this week and the habits and patterns I've built up over a lifetime of living and stop and pause. And in those moments, it gives us the opportunity when we stop and pause in moments of worship and prayer to bring our whole selves before God in an intimate place full of sensitivity and connection with God. And he shines his kindness on us. And it allows us to say, all right, Lord, as you shine your kindness on me, as you pour your grace over me, and I open myself up to you, Lord, would you please help me evaluate who I am today, who I was yesterday, and who you're inviting me to become tomorrow. The psalmist writes, search me, God. And know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And it's this beautiful invitation of God, know me, shine your light on me. I want to be more like you. Help me be transformed. And what we see is that transformation occurs when we take time to reflect. It's in these moments of reflection that the process of the Christian life is worked out in us. The process of transformation is worked out in us when we take time to reflect upon the past. And if we separate ourselves from the past and we're only ever forward-looking, we don't have the opportunity to say, Lord, what is happening in me? Who am I? How have I responded? And it gives us the opportunity when we slow down in prayer and worship to respond, to reflect, and then to evaluate. And as we evaluate, something begins transforming inside of us. Um, I've become kind of sucked into the portal of Netflix stand-up comedy specials. And it seems like there's like five or six new ones every week. And, it, you know, because I've watched a hundred of them, Netflix is like, here's another one. You probably want to watch this one, too. And so as I've gone down this, like, rabbit hole of stand-up comedy specials on Netflix, I've become fascinated by just, like, the process of somebody who can stand up on a stage and get people to laugh consistently for an hour. Like, it's unbelievable to me that somebody can do that because, like, I can stand up here and easily talk for an hour, but I, like, average a laugh every 30 minutes. So, see, like, even that was like a, you know, reluctant chuckle. Doesn't even count. 
Um, but, I, you know, then I started, like, reading about and watching some YouTube videos of, like, people and their stand-up comedy process. And kind of there's this consistent process that you see in the life of people who now have, like, a Netflix special. Of course, they didn't start out having a Netflix special where millions of people watch it. You'll even hear these stories of like, oh my goodness, like last Tuesday, Jerry Seinfeld walked into this stand-up comedy club and did a set for 10 people. And it's because the process of stand-up comedy is this. You write a joke, you go to one of these clubs, you perform it for 10 people, and you see if they laugh. If they don't, you go away and you rewrite the joke, you rewrite the concept, you change a word, you reorder it, you edit a sentence, and you go do it again. And if they laugh, then, and it's only a room, like an awkward room of 10 people, and they laugh, it's like, okay, well, when I tell that joke to 2,000 people in a room full of people who paid $100 to come laugh, they're certainly going to laugh. So they go through this process of like editing and looking at what they did and saying, okay, how did that go and how can I make it better and how can I refine it to be more effective? And they go and they try it again until so they've worked it out and it's become what it is that they've dreamed it could become. And it directly parallels the process of transformation that hap happens inside of us as Christians. Of course, we're not doing it to get people to laugh or to get people to like us or to impress people. That's not why we're doing it, but there is a process of ongoing transformation in the Christian life. And it comes from living life, going away, being quiet and stilling ourselves in the presence of God in worship and prayer, connecting with him in an intimate place, opening ourselves up and being reflective about our past, who we were, what we did, what we said, how we acted. And then saying, Lord, all right, I'm trusting you in this moment to bear myself to you. And as I do that, help me be transformed. The process of refinement is rooted in worship and prayer as we s slow down, as we pause. So I'm going to invite us to reflect again. If you want to close your eyes with me one more time, there will be two more times after this, but close your eyes with me again. And we're just going to engage the Lord to say, all right, I want to practice this right now. Think about this morning, think about yesterday, think about the weekend, think about the last week, think about your life. Whatever comes to mind, Lord, would you bring something to mind right now that we can evaluate with you in your kindness, in your kind, grace-filled presence? And as something comes to mind, evaluate it. Evaluate it with the Lord. How could we handle that situation differently? How did we not embody the fruit of the Spirit? And how might we begin to do that? And Lord, help us to continue to develop a habit of reflection. And as we do so, would it lead to our ongoing transformation? Amen. So we move into this place of intimacy as we've kind of torn down these walls that stand between us and God, and we come before him to evaluate our past and experience our presence with him, and then worship and prayer help us orient our hearts and minds around a different reality. We sing this worship song, I'll remind myself of all that you've done. And it's this process of remembering who God is, orienting our minds and our hearts around a bigger reality. Psalm 143, I remember the days of long ago. 
I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. We begin considering who God is and who God has been. And it leads us into a place of experiencing and focusing in on a better truth. Philippians 4. Brothers and sisters, what is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And it's this idea of coming into the intimate places with God, reflecting upon what's happened in the past and who we are right now, and then saying, all right, God, begin orienting my mind and my heart around a different reality. And it's essential that we accept reality for how it is and allow that to intersect what is true. So what does that mean? Reality and truth. All of us experience a reality every day, but there's also a bigger truth that exists around us in potentially just theory. And there's this bridge between the two, or there's this gap between the two. And we live in the middle of those two things, where there is our current experienced reality, but then there's this bigger truth of God's, God's truth. Like the kingdom of heaven on earth or the existence of the fruit of the Spirit or redemption or reconciliation, these beautiful pictures. And I think for me, I've so often lived over here of what should be that I've neglected the necessity of accepting what currently is. And I can't address what currently is if I'm only obsessing over and fixated on what could be. My role in life is to stand between the two and proactively be a bridge, whether that's things in my own heart or life or things that exist in the world. Like for me, one of the hardest examples of this that I experience, unfortunately, on a regular basis is my expectation that people who have a job should care about it and like it and be good about it. Now, I use the word should there. They should care about it, and they should be good at it, but we live in reality. Have you ever had to call customer service? Is anyone a Spectrum customer? Right? We live between these two worlds of what we think should be and then the reality of what is. And we live between those two. And if I'm only fixated on what should be, then I miss out on the opportunity to exist in between the two and be the bridge that bridges the two worlds. And in fact, I just will then be frustrated and angry and impatient if I'm only fixated on what should be and not understanding of what is, then I enter into the space between with frustration and anger. But if I'm bringing worship and I'm bringing prayer into my current reality and the Lord is reminding me of what could be, but I'm also cognizant of what currently is, then I enter into this space with the Lord in the act of worship and prayer that is the transformation of things. And so if I am a person who practices the presence of God, is intimate with him, allows him to evaluate who I am, the second or third or fourth or sixteenth time I have to wait for the light spectrum man to arrive at my house, 
and I've allowed the Lord to do the transformative work inside of me, then I move away from anger and frustration and into a place of saying, Lord, how can I better use this time? How can I exhibit patience to this guy who probably doesn't want to be late as much as I don't want him to be late? Now, I fail at that most of the time. But it gives us the opportunity to be cognizant of our past action and ask the Lord, what's the bigger truth? The bigger truth is I can exhibit love and I can exhibit patience and I can exhibit care and I can exhibit kindness. And so I exist in between what currently is and what could be as the Lord is revealing to me the bigger truth. It reminds me of this thing called brar. <laughs> Breathe. Remember what God is saying. Access the truth of who he is and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and reveal it in the in-between. And how can I do those things? How can I be that person? And when we are people of worship and prayer who have developed that sensibility, we begin thinking in a different way. We begin thinking with the bigger truth of God, and we don't just live in our current accepted reality, but we approach that, that current reality with the picture of what could be, and then we become the beautiful bridge from one to the other. So I want us right now to pause again for the third time. And in this moment, I want us to think about the bigger truth. Maybe it's related to the thing that you just thought of in our last moment. We were asking, Lord, Lord, how can we evaluate yesterday or this morning or this week or my life? So let's close our eyes and take that thing or maybe a new thing and say, Lord, would you reveal the bigger truth to me around this idea? Here's how I'm currently experiencing it in the reality that I know. But what's the higher way? What's the bigger truth around this thing? Give me a picture of that bigger truth. Lord, thanks for that picture. May we live into it. Amen. So we begin dismantling these walls, and as we dismantle these walls in worship and prayer, we're actually able to move into a deeper place of sensitivity and intimacy with God, where we're willing to open ourselves fully to Him to evaluate who we are and what we've done, our actions of the past. And then we begin orienting our mind and heart around a more true reality that's bigger than our current experience. And lastly, worship and prayer helps us imagine where we go from here. It helps us imagine where we go from here. And our future is defined in these kinds of moments of pause, where we intentionally slow down and we reflect on the past, and we redefine the realities of the present, and then we give ourselves space to think creatively about the future. And in these moments of pause, it gives us space to dream and imagine with God in the act of worship and prayer of where we go from here, of what the future truly looks like. A couple weekends ago, I was part of facilitating an event called Immerse. It's a big art event in downtown Orlando. And after a week of just kind of like rest and taking my mind off of all that stuff, this past week, I began engaging in that creative process of, okay, what does Immerse 2019 look like? Where do we go from here? And that stuff doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come to life. It comes out of the places of pausing and stopping and giving myself and our team 
dream, creative space to think and dream. Creativity is part of something that God is doing inside of us, and creativity happens in the open spaces. And if we don't have any open spaces, we will never move to that final piece of being people who say, Lord, what is your vision for who I am and for the world around me? And how can I actively engage in that process of stepping into it? If we just go, go, go and never slow down and allow the Lord to give us that creative picture, we'll never fully be able to step into the fullness of who he has called and created us to be because creativity happens in the open spaces. The transformational work of God in our lives and in the world around us is a creative act. It is the ability to dream. It is the ability to imagine. There's something holy about that. There's something beautiful and divine about our ability to imagine prophetically what is to come in the future. And if we don't do that about our lives, about our circumstances, about our job, about our passions, and we just amble through life day by day, never slowing down and taking time to envision what might be, We'll just continually stumble through life without an objective and without a destination. The other half of that is if we lock in on something and we're not staying present in the process of worship and prayer, then we never allow that picture to transform and grow and shape and mold as we do the same. And we end up in a place and it doesn't look like what we expected and we're frustrated. Because we've locked in on what we thought should happen, but the process of relationship with God is a constantly malleable one. And wherever we end up, even with a clear vision, it's never going to look 100% like we thought it would. And that's because life is an ongoing process. And worship and prayer are ongoing processes of continually engaging in an intimate place with God that allows us to be evaluating what happened and who we are and how we acted. And as we do that, he gives us a better picture and he continues to expand our vision for the future. And so in this last moment of reflection, I want us to stand together and I want us to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you have for me? In this place of two-way communication and worship and prayer, would you give me a picture, not just about what's supposed to be or who I'm supposed to be or what your bigger truth is, but give me a specific picture about the future that you're creating me for, that you're transforming me for. What am I walking into? Where am I going? What do you have for me? So I just want to invite you to reflect on that now. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.